Hey everybody, welcome to the Mountain Deer Podcast. Today we're talking snow, yeah. snow, snow, snow. Let's talk snow. Very important. There's nothing like snow for what we do. Yeah. At least for several reasons. There's nothing like snow. I don't care what kind of snow it is. If there's some kind of snow, yeah. they can't fly. So no. that's big. And, and to be able to um, follow them. And they can't get away. Well, they might be able to get away, but they can't hide because you'll be able to follow them, printer everywhere they go. And that part of it is nice if you have the space. And, and even if you don't, at least you can take them as far as you can take them. And you you learn a lot about them. Their history is written mm-hmm. in it, and it's just like a book on the land. Yep. And that nice new white sheet is awesome. Which is, that's basically like the main advantage of tracking over almost any other form of deer hunting is because you don't need... You don't need to really be after this one deer with cameras and lots of experience with you know him in order to get his history and find out his habits and identify him. Yeah, where he lives. Because you only basically as soon as you, as soon as you hop on a track, you know how he walks, you know his step, you can get an estimate of how big he is, all these other things, and it's all written down for you. But you have to know you have to know how to read it. You need to know the language. And yeah, it's it's subtle and it's a it's a form of you know, it's like deer literacy. It's like their their print. It's an investigation, right? And it's yes. all written on the on the ground. And to be able to to see it and understand it and and take it in and read the language of what's going on in front of you yep. is it that in itself is practically an art form and it's a skill like at the same time. Yes, because there there's some things that you you there's like little signs that you pick up and then as you go, which we're going to talk about, and and as you go, you you find you start finding the proof of that, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, Snow itself is um, the entire basis of tracking. Well, it is pretty much. I mean, you have blood trails. Um, you you yeah. have other tracking. As far as too, like but, standard deer tracking, right? How you think and basically how you're going to do it is you kind of need snow. You can use dirt and you can find prints and all this other stuff to to kind of get you in the general area of a deer. But after that, it's just still hunting. Mm-hmm. Like even when we go out and it's November and we don't have snow yet. You're mostly still hunting. You're just moving through the woods, taking your time, paying attention, hoping you're you're flip flopping, hoping you right. run into something. Right. And but once you get snow, things game change. On. Right. Game things on, change maybe. like crazy, and your odds like climb. I want to tremendously. Say it's, it's at least two or three times better than it would be still hunting. <laughs> Easily. Not that. to mention like there's all kinds of like satellite circumstances that will happen because there's snow on the ground. Yes. You'll find and learn other things. You'll learn more about the woods. You You learn about truck traffic. You learn about other hunters. You learn about coyotes, moose, everything. Yeah. And you're also seeing a history of it as the snow gets older and older. Yep. Right. And to know that history and pick it up on the ground for that spot is so it's such an enthralling thing. Like a lot of deer hunting is really take it easy, wait, um, chill. Yeah. And this way here, you're, you're learning it's all proactive. the time and it is really, that part of it's really super it's, duper. It is. I an, love it. It is a more active than passive style of hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like fishing. If you're, your ice fishing is a bit more passive because you're, you're confined to that one space or a few holes and you can't cast and you can't investigate the water and all these other things quite as well as you can when you're on a boat. And you can mm-hmm. read the land and see, use your fish finder and you're flying around and you can gather more data and speed up the process better. Basically tracking is like, instead of, you know, putting all the responsibility in the deer's hands to come to you, you're saying, I'm going to take control of the situation and go get him. 
you know, yeah, it's like, we're going to do this. Not to mention like, it's like a speed scouting in a way for yep. real time and the entire, or, or right at then. least super recent history. Now, one of the deals is of course that when you're, when you're talking snow all the time and, and that's why well, I want to try and keep that our main subject here is like, there's a lot of different snows. Yes. You know, you can not all snows are created equal. No snow is, you know, the only, like if you have snow, snow is good period, but there are different kinds and they, you have to use them differently. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, there's going to be, you know, the, the real soft, fluffy kind, there's going to be the dusting, you know, Mm -hmm. there's the, the thick, soft, wet stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also crunch. um, yeah, there's some crunch crust and freaking crust. You're right? Captain Crunch, so you're the yep. number one <laughs> right? you have resource lo- on that. You have lots and lots of different kinds of crust, depths of crust. Yep. Um, Layers of crust as yeah, well. Yeah. You if have, it's snowing, if it if it's old snow, new snow. Yeah, the age of it, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, elevation has a huge effect on the kind of snow. How much? How much snow it is, uh, whether or not it's wind blown or not. The wind has a big effect on the yep. snow. Um, how much sun it's been exposed to, uh, how much rain it's been exposed to, yep. uh, if there's lots of snow on the trees versus lots of snow that has been blown off the trees. Yep. That's a huge part of it. If um, it is snowing currently, yeah, if that it's changes coming down things, at right? the time. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's talk about um, a lot the best. Stuff. Let's do best case scenario and let's work backwards of, you know, what, what kind of snow that we find is the, the best for tracking that is the, you know, the least difficult to read. And then, you know, we'll work our way all the way to like crusty, crunchy, terrible stuff and how to take advantage of all the different kinds of snow that we normally run into. So what is your like favorite depth and texture and temperature for when you're tracking? Like what's I, what's, what's optimal for you? Well, I've. I always heard and like with Larry's book and, and some of the different guys who've talked about tracking over the years and, and even the, the other hunters I knew were really good at it. They're like two or three inches, four inches of soft, wet, sticky snow, mm-hmm. you know, kind of wet ish snow Quiet so walking. that you could step on it and it would, it wouldn't crust, you know, and because it's kind of that perfect temperature of right at 30, you know, or, or a little above, or a little bit below, right in that yeah. 30, 32 degree ballpark that, that they always talked about that being the best. Mm-hmm. And I, I just believed them and said, yeah, that's the best, but not so much anymore. Really? Now, now that I spent more time doing it and I've seen more different crust and snow and conditions. wind and all the conditions possible, the real killer day has been the gusty, breezy, cold, really cold good and cold like so that the snow is sifty and it's soft but frozen like sand more. it's like sandish and like the wind covers me so much i can't hear myself walk when it's sticky and you, it crushes under your foot and you hear yeah it creaks like a little bit yeah now the snowman going, snow yeah if you're going slow or if you slide your toe down into it you can minimize how much racket you make and because it's kind of wet-ish snow the sticks that it's landed on have had time to soak up some of that moisture underneath the snow and they don't crack and they don't yeah they don't they don't snap anywhere near as bad because they're a little wet 
right? The ground was kind of wet. It was wet snow as it started coming yeah, it down. It was warmer when it had started. Yeah. Um, the other thing is whether or not the ground is frozen and Ooh, what yes. difference that makes because snow on non-frozen ground is really good. Yeah. It's quiet. Or when it's froze rock hard and then you put a whole bunch of nice fluff on yep, it with, with a pretty good breeze so that the trees are making a little noise. Then the wind is like blowing pretty good and it covers all that it makes a lot of movement in the woods mm -hmm. so picking out a deer can sometimes be a little tougher because the trees are blowing but in the still, breeze and stuff it, there's movement there's sound cover and the wind messes up your scent yeah when see, it's a really strong wind it blows your scent around and disperses quickly i want conditions that take away at least one of the deer senses if not all of them if not all of them <laughs> if you can right at least get it down to like see that's the thing with that real cold snowy blowy day mm. number one the scent is like all over the place but it's blowing strong enough so even if they got like a little tiny whiff it doesn't mm. last long the direction is hard for them to figure out because they just smelt a little puff in this giant breeze and they don't know where it comes from so they're they're a little less likely to just bolt and go crazy mm -hmm. because they want to know you know especially if they're not super spooked by it um the other thing too is that when it's really windy and it's really cold and uh, like all my hiking and moving through the woods, I, I can hardly hear myself. It makes me feel more confident that I'm sneaking around really well. Hmm. Like I I'm undercover, like, it, which helps it, you, it helps you mentally focus. Cause you're not worried about what, what's happening with right. you going through the woods. You can just focus on what you're going after. You, there's an added advantage of having the wind break up your sound. Yes. It does take away from their sound. Like when they run, you don't hear a thing. All yeah. you see is a brown blur, poof, and they're gone. Mm. Now, the white on the ground everywhere helps the brown stand out so that you can notice the deer better. That's another really good thing is visibility is better It's in stick season, especially. It's with basically snow on the, the those are like the two main advantages of snow is it's less less for them to blend into. And mm -hmm. now it's just into trees and bushes instead of the ground as well. Right. And you get to follow them. So if they stand out better and they can't really, they can, can't really hide. They can only run. That's a, that's a huge advantage for you. That, that, that helps like crazy. Oh yeah, it does. You know, and with your wind taking away some of the noise, which is their ears, and it takes away some of the nose, the smell, that's good. Yeah. I, I like those two things. The other thing is the wind creates a lot of movement in the woods. And the movement helps cover my movement. It helps cover theirs as well right? When everything in the woods is moving, it's harder to pick something out because everything, like if a deer is just walking and feeding and they're going along real slow and the trees are, are and the branches are all blowing like in the wind, he blends in like crazy because yeah, he's going, out. but so do I. Yep. So that, that's good. But it does take away just a whisker on that visibility mm -hmm. thing, but you make up for it with the white with, contrast. And with you being almost invisible yes you that need makes, that that helps we need like that crazy you know so yep. if you can take away some of the deer senses it helps like crazy yep. the worst kind of conditions would be really old snow with no deer tracks in it right you know if there's been uh, you're in a yeah. spot where there's old old snow it's four days old and there's no deer tracks that's bad and it's crusty to boot it's like time to leave time to get out of that zone wherever yep. you are it's time to find a deer track and get out of there the, no, get the away from crunchy, crusty, old snow with no wind is, we struggled with that pretty hard. 
I think almost everybody did in the 2019 season. Oh, and even 2018 like had the, some times all too. the way, yes. like especially most of December was that way, and the end. Right. Like we got tons of snow early, and it came super great up to the middle, and then it started to peter out. We got a lot of bluebird days with no wind. We had no wind last year. It stayed None. a little, a little cool, but it warmed up just enough during the day mm-hmm. that it to would melt the top layer melt, a little. Yeah, melt the top, and then you ended up with a little bit of crust that was like solidified more and more with every bluebird day that landed on yeah. it. Plus, with the crust and the excellent hearing and excellent visibility the deer had, we couldn't get anywhere near them. But yeah, it was you know, rough. Some of them were two, three hundred yards, and they were already onto us and running. And like you couldn't do anything, especially about it. towards the end of the season when they had been they had been shoving each other around a little bit, and on crust and things like that. Coyotes work really good on crust because they're light, yeah. And they had been pushed around by hunters a bit, so now they're wired and they hear you coming and you can't sneak or hide from them. Yeah. It was like, good luck. Yeah, we just a lot of people around. were very frustrated. We educated the crap out of them. Yeah, with, literally with two years worth of snow too. Mm-hmm. See, we had snow almost the entire deer season for seventeen, uh, the, for was, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, we we, we had tons. Yeah, we and didn't tons get of snow. we didn't get snow till the tenth in twenty seventeen. But from then all the way, we had we've had snow every day. Right. So to have like almost an entire deer season of snow Basically on the ground, and every deer in the woods saw lots of people, mm-hmm. and there was and every hunter could find deer eventually. You know, even if he just went into a, a section of woods and went stand hunting. He would see where all the tracks were, see what was going on, and then set up and be there. And, of course, the deer would just come through those areas because they were actually using them and would discover all these people in there. And, and it was just there was so much deer-human deer contact mm-hmm. going on during the season. And it was so easy to find out what was happening where with all of that snow. And with snow so far south. Yep, that too. You know what I mean? Like yes. even, even southern Vermont, Massachusetts – you know, southern New Hampshire in the last few years have turned up some deer that you didn't know were there. Some big, beautiful bucks, like nice racks and stuff had come out of Vermont sure, as well. Yep. And, you know, with so many people getting into the woods and having such good snow conditions, deer getting educated hard. Yep. And that's one of the things about, you know, having having snow is now you have the ability to utilize more styles of hunting to take advantage of whatever your area and conditions are, yep. you know. The other thing is like snow depth. Yeah. I, I How much I, you get. I need, for me, I like an inch and a half minimum because it shows the depth of the track and it gives you, because where we hunt, there's a lot of thickness to the woods. Yep. And if you don't get a decent amount of snow to really fall, a lot of it gets hung up on the trees. And especially the next day on the snow, there's not much on the ground inside the woods, especially in softwoods. Yeah. Right? It all collects on the branches yeah. and then and it doesn't come down any through. landed on the ground. So you kind of need at least a yep. decent amount of snow. But when, especially when you get that snow at like from midnight to like four, if you get it in that last half of the, of the night, yep. you get, there's no sense in rushing out into the woods that early because it's like where we are with us with a pretty low deer population. You know what I mean? Like they haven't had time you haven't to had move time then. to move and make tracks. But if you do find a track, it's right there. Like yeah, you're on it'll it. It'll be smoking. Yeah. 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 And so like that's one of the things when it comes to new snow and where we are, when you have areas that are similar in, in deer population and in and hunter density and all this other stuff, you can see that it takes a minute to find a good track. And a lot of times the next day, a day old snow I find I like the best. 
Yeah, that second night of yes. snow, they they move around in it yep. quite a bit. It gives you it Especially gives you if a it better came late the first night because an entire twenty four hours of snow gives you a lot more to pick from and a lot more data on the ground for you to sift through than it does brand new snow. Like everyone's real excited about brand new snow. I get excited about brand new snow, but I always find that you have to work pretty hard where we go to get a good size track that's brand new. Right. You're almost better off to just like, you know, do all your road work and, and do all your research, get everything ready and go for a walk. And if you come across a track, great. But if you don't, like don't don't be surprised if you don't find anything in the first, especially in the first like five, six hours of brand new snow. Well, part of that also depends on the the rut. And yes, like, how far they're moving. Like if it's the going season, like, uh-huh. you know, and whether it's pre-rut or whatever, you know, the first week in November and there's very, very few does that are even in heat. And, oh, and yeah, they're, they're just a, a single here and the there. The ruts have been out. late. Yeah. In the, the last, last few years, years they've yeah, been really the, late. Well, the calendar shifts, of course, and there's been a calendar shift. I mean, the moon yeah. is the same every year and, and you know, whatever yeah. amount but of when daylight the season, is yeah. the same. It's just when our calendar falls on the daylight. When we start getting into the woods. Right. Basically. And of course, when, where we arrange our seasons to line up with things. Yeah. Now the first week in November, um, when we, we first get to camp, we're a little out of tune. Um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> say, like the last couple of years, we've gotten snow within the first couple, three days of the season. Sometimes even on the first day, there yep. was snow. Both it, years in a row. Or it was snowing yep. on the first day. So we hop in a rig. We're a, little, we're a little off because we haven't been hunting for a year, you know. Yeah. So we, we jump out of the rig and we start, you know, just looking around and seeing what's up. And we start sniffing things for, you know, what's, what's going on. <laughs> Got to take a peek around. Right. And when we get out there and you guys, especially when you were younger, you guys were all excited because look, dad, there's snow. And you guys were like, we're going to go and this is going to be happening. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, dude, just relax. Sure. Right. Because they haven't even made any tracks yet. It's not going to be today. It'll be tomorrow. Right. It doesn't take too long. And you start figuring out when you're likely to find the kind of track you're looking for yeah. and whatnot. Now, the first week in November, then bucks might be kind of still homebodies, still on that summertime-ish kind of routine where they get up at night and wander around, lay down a little bit of sign. You know, they might make a scrape or, or rub their horns a little bit and yep. maybe go for a little walk and have something to eat. But they're not wandering all that far. They haven't got into that, like, go look phase. You yeah, know, that we call search. it that that uh, just putting miles on that zombie walking, just got to find it that starting to get compelled to move that right. I got to find a dog. See, they're not dog. into that yet. No. So they're kind of just hanging out in their spot. Now, if they're not moving that much and you get that snow during the first week of November, you're going to want to, um, look around for a, a good size food source with a thick, nasty spot somewhere close by a big swamp, a, a steep hillside, something near it. Yep. And then start looking for tracks going back and forth from that good food up to some security of some kind. Right. Yep. So you, you, you run that road on the side of the mountain where the cuts down at the bottom and the cliff yep. is all rocks and they can't cut it. And hardly anybody ever walks up in there. And that's where more likely he is to go up and lay down. And you just, you know, start scouting in between the two, trying to find where he like crosses a road or something. Now, when the snow flies and you found a spot like that and here, here comes the snow and you drive out there and you have a look at, at this, this kind of like, um, well, it's a bottleneck where he's going, you know, a pass to get through from one area to the other. And you, you just go and check that for a track. And you see what's up and see if he's still using it or whatnot and if it's real time. 
know, sometimes with, like with, when we were started talking about snow depth, a lot of times in the beginning, especially for us, we might have an inch, inch and a half on the first storm. Sometimes it's six inches. Yeah. Um, I've only had like a couple of years, like where there was a 14 inch storm in the first week in November and it, most of it landed way up high, you know, 3000 feet. Most of it was way up on the tops because the temperature just isn't cold enough yet. You know, when it's, it's 34 down low up on top, it might be 29 or 28 degrees. So the tops of the mountains will be all white, but as soon as you go downhill, there's nothing right. Yeah. So most of the deer were either in the middle or the bottom where all the feed was. And we'd go running up into that snow on top where it's just greenery and stuff and go up there and run around in the moose are up there, but there was no, no deer. Right? Yeah. Or, or if there was a deer, he just went over the top and went down out of the snow again. Right. Mm -hmm. So that a lot of times snow can be elevation you know, specific. So if you have like some mountains around, that's going to be where the snow hits first. Yeah. You know, and so we want to do our scouting around those, which know? is one of the reasons why when we do have snow early in the season, why everybody runs up to the top of the mountains is because there's snow there and you can at least see if anything's kicking up high. And there might be a, a depth that's enough for you to follow a deer. That's right. And, and, it, and you might just get lucky. There might just be one up there. Which and has happened he, a thousand oh, times. Oh, sure. And they, he just circles around someplace and lays down and you get up in there with him and, and just nice and easy and it's yeah. just the right amount and bang and you shoot the bugger. You know, the, yeah. a lot of early season deer are shot in snow up high. Yeah, and it's it's a way for, one, it's it's a good excuse for you to travel up you get your legs on you figure out what the, but if like, if I'm going to walk around and see nothing, I'd want to be walking around on snow and seeing nothing. And just, you know, it feels, it choice. feels better, right? right? Rather walk than on crusty leaves and not see anything. I'd rather walk on crusty snow. Right. Same thing. But being able to eliminate sections of woods based on what you see on the ground is pretty awesome. Yep. And it's easy when you have snow, it's easy to pattern the kinds of woods that deer are spending their time in that time of year. Mm -hmm. And it helps you, you know, narrow down a section of the haystack to search for that needle. Right. You know, even if you don't have a track, if you're not seeing anything, that is still good because it's still information that you can use. They are not here right now. Why are they not here? Right. You know, and you can start to start to develop an idea about what the deer are doing and what they're like in your area that time of year. And then you're good to go. Sure. Now, you, when you start getting into, say, week two, right, and you have some snow. Old snow now. Yeah. And now, like like we said, we, ha we had one season where there was like 10, 12 inches of snow. There was 15 way up high. Mm -hmm. And then in the first was, two weeks. Yeah. And there was only like two inches down low in that first week. 18. And of course, it was up to our waist in 2018. Yes. In the bottoms, like we, we had a lot of snow in the first two weeks. Oh yeah. It, it came like crazy. Now, years ago when we had this like poof of a storm, that was a freak and it, it landed up high and there was a little bit down low. And of course there were tons of people low, they were hunting and the deer all got shoved uphill in a short while. And then they were all on the top and then everybody ran up into the top to hunt those deer and the weather warmed right up again, right? It was just a little freak thing where you got a whole bunch of snow and then it, the, the, the system blew off in new England. We have like three day weather patterns. You get a new weather pattern every three days. Yeah. You know, you have something coming in, it stays for a while and then it blows out. Yep. And a new something blows in again. It's pretty short because right. we have we have the jet stream coming across the you know northern plains all, and then it hits the Great Lakes, and then we get tons of lake effect snow. Like the Adirondacks gets a bunch of snow, it comes through and gets dumped on that top band 
sure that runs basically like the the height of vermont all the way across and it just goes whoosh, in three days it's out to the ocean well see our, our standard jet stream comes down like before the great lakes dips down into like pennsylvania yep. and then turns and comes up along the coast you know towards maine and towards vermont yeah a lot of times it's almost over the coast and of course as soon as you have that like vacuum of the wind coming down into the u.s then turning and going back up the side of it north of that will be colder air and of course south of that will be the warmer gulf air right yep. and the jet stream kind of divides those two air systems and it dips down the colder weather towards us right and it pulls that cold down but it also pulls moisture up from the gulf stream right that and so you can have it like this storm that's down in tennessee or whatever and the the jet stream will grab it and pull it up along the the coast and being near the coast it'll gather moisture but it's we're on the cold side of the moisture so it'll come through and it'll be mostly rain you know along the coast of maine and massachusetts through there it'll be rain and, and cold yeah even in vermont sometimes it'll be mixed a little bit and then up high where the air is forced to come uphill and it's spinning and it's full of water and the temperature's just right it'll be beautiful for bringing in moisture cold and just about 32 degrees to the tops of the mountains but then the jet stream shifts just a little bit and say it comes more towards vermont and it lets some of the warmer air into new england then all of a sudden it'll warm back up again and that nice beautiful 14 inches of snow is soft and sticky and wet and just right and awesome for and tracking it's, it's and awesome quiet. that's right now yep. provided it continues to warm you're fine yep. but as soon as it cools off now yep. you go to a crust on top so yep. anytime that there's a melt off i especially early in the rut Try the to first get two weeks i i want to get it done right then or i know i'm going to have to wait Till either it warms up enough so all the snow melts and we get new snow and start again, or it dumps a lot more. It dumps snow a on lot it. more snow, and I can hunt down low in the new snow and avoid that crusty stuff that's up on the top. Yep. Right. So a lot of times I'll use elevation to get the kind of snow conditions I want, provided there's a deer there. Right. Yes. You know, if there's a deer in the bottom, well, you hunt the bottom. Yeah. If there's a deer in the middle, Great you snow hunt the middle. with no deer around, still worthless snow. That's right. Technically. That's right. Yeah. So like just because the conditions are perfect in a spot doesn't mean that I want to go there and spend all my time there if there's not a deer there. Yeah. Right. But by the same token, the depth is real important and elevation has everything to do with the depth and you can almost always plan on more snow being higher and less snow being down low and as soon as the snow conditions say it you really get a dumping you're going to want to start hunting more downhill so we try and scout areas down low down in the bottom someplace close to town or whatever where the snow elevations are the least and then as you get more and more snow, you'll have to move more and more downhill. Or even in your state, move more and more uh, south so that you get away from the mountains a little bit more when the snow really comes. Yep. That, if that, I have to have a lot of snow, I like it cold and sifty. Yep. You know, if it's going to be up to the top of my boots or something. That classic like late muzzleloader season kind of fluff. You know what I mean? That yeah. fluffy, quiet, windy, nasty days. Yep. The cloudy, snowy like the not so nice days are the best. It's just like bass fishing. Mm -hmm. The bluebird quiet, you know, nothing wants to do anything those days. And you're out there and you're like, ugh, you know, 
But when you get that weather, you're just like, yes, here we go. Now and you it's can not that you can't on. shoot a deer on any day. No, because you we've done it on any kind of day. That's no right. snow, doesn't matter. Yeah. But your odds and the amount of information you can get and the advantage is more shifted towards you and you're taking less less of the win away from them, basically. I always like to try and plan my vacation so that it was flexible. You know, I'd say, well, I want the, the sec. I get two weeks off in November, right? So I want the second and the third week so that it would be, you know, the beginning and the middle of the rut. Yeah, and, and your odds of having snow because it's later into the year, we're better. We're better. Now, say the snow didn't show up on the second week but it did on the third and I could even take the fourth if I needed to having your vacation be able to be shuffled when you're close to finding out what the weather pattern you're going to deal with so that you go at the prime time yeah is always important yeah and I would always shy away from going late because the deer season's going and they're already shooting all these deer and like there's only going to be three left right I had that idea yeah and and those are educated ones Right. At those the end the of the ones. season, those are the harder ones. Right. Because they've been they've been educated and they're they're used to being hunted and they're already in the garbage and they're scared to death over shaking in, in, in the bushes. Right. So <laughs> I, I would always shy, shy away from going late. But actually, late is the best time. It, yeah, it really is. is. And, and it it lines up more with the rut and the rutting activity. It can line up with migration activity in a lot of places like in Maine and that snow depth, it has a big, makes a big difference on the migration situation. And especially deer that live in the mountains, when it really starts coming down and getting big and heavy, it doesn't take long. And the does especially head out. The bucks don't necessarily want to get right into heading out phase because they're pretty, they want to take care of themselves and they know them big cliffs are the place to hang out and to not get caught by anybody. So they'll stay up there. But as soon as the does head out, the bucks are going to come right along after them. Just like I'm sure out West, you know, when it, when the cows start pouring out of the mountains, all the bulls will follow them. You know, it's just the way it goes. So it only makes sense. Not that there isn't stragglers and there's exceptions to everything, but, Always. but the, the snow depth, um, we've, we've tracked quite a few deer on a quarter inch of snow. And just shot them. Basically just enough to cover on the leaves. Like even so you, you can, can still see, see leaves, but you can see the outline of an imprint. That's enough. That's all you need. Yeah. But you but the problem is you have to spend a lot more time looking down. Yes. The less snow that you have, you know, the less of the depth, the more you have to pay attention to the track and keep your eyes open. Especially when you start getting into a, it's older snow that's not very deep and there's lots of traffic. Yep. It's harder to discern the larger deer from the smaller deer and to see what's happening, you know, check out all the business that's going down. Well, there. you can't see it so far out in front of you. And you have to keep you have to like keep bouncing your chin down and up in order to to see what's happening, which is dangerous well see you want to pay attention and not stop looking for deer you know one of the things about tracking is like you almost need one of those call a neck collar so that you will not <laughs> you used look to say at that ground. about us all the time right i'm like you pretend you got a neck collar on and when you look down it's only when you're really sure there isn't a deer standing there first scan everywhere up high you know say you're walking along and you lose the track and you know you're going to need to go back to looking at the ground now the deer is going real easy and there's a fair chance that he could be right there someplace and you have to, you know, you're going to have to look down and walk and, and figure things out on the ground For, before you go doing that, make sure that there isn't anything standing right there. Yeah. You know, look everything over good and don't get caught with your chin against your chest looking down, right? Yep. You don't want to do that. So I spend all my time looking. Is it safe? 
And then, yeah, I don't see anything. Okay, now I'll look down and I'll do as much with my eyes without moving my body as I can. I'll try and figure it out as best I can. When there's no depth to the snow, you can't see what stump it goes around 20 or 30 yards in front of you. You mm-hmm. know, so when you, the magic depth is like three or four inches where you can see way out in front of you, you can watch the track in the snow, but you can also see far enough so that you're not looking down much. And even while you're looking at the track, you're almost looking at the deer if it was laying down or standing right there someplace. Yeah. You, your eyes are already level with being able to see the deer. One of the disadvantages of a lot of snow is you can't see the terrain that you're walking on quite as well Mm -hmm. and you can't see all the sticks and all the rocks and all the things and the water and you can't see these things quite as well underneath the snow and it makes it hazardous and loud and a lot of times you're like you're in lots of snow and you're feeling good and then you know it looks like it's completely clean underneath and you take a step and crack you step on a big stick and you're like oh my god right? yeah or, or you almost fall down because yeah. you step on the side of a rock mm-hmm. right and your foot kicks off to one side so in it's one definitely direction. it's definitely the more than two less than six zone yes you know like yeah. anything in between that is perfect and that works really good myself i i don't care to have a lot of snow on the trees no in general because you have to plow through it and it gets on your clothes and you get wet and also blocks your view yeah you can't, you can't see, see through, through them things. yeah exactly now it, it can be to your advantage as well yeah i mean if the deer's out in the open and you're in a whole bunch of snow and then you just nice and carefully look out into that opening the deer odds of the deer seeing you are hardly any yeah you know and if you luck out and he's he's someplace where he's out in the open a little bit and you can look from cover and see him there now you got it you know that's a distinct oh, yeah. advantage that's good but i don't like a lot of snow down my neck i don't like a lot of snow tumbling into my scope or on top of my gun i want to keep that dry and clean all the time yeah. you know same as if it was raining and snow a million times we've had snow change over to rain mm-hmm. where it warmed a little bit and and now your scope is wet and blurry yep. and you can't see through it anywhere near as well or if you have scope caps right yep. now you have to remember to flip them up so that that's an issue too right so you want to know your gun well and that kind of stuff um the the but, rainy on top well, of snow is a real well, common thing. When you get that snow all over the trees, like you're talking about, so you get a good dusting of snow, right? And say you get three, four inches all over the place. Yep. And it starts to heat up, and now all of the snow that's on your trees and on the branches and on the spruces starts to drip and melt. Yes. That is advantage and disadvantage at the exact same time. Yeah. One, you're wet, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes you uncomfortable, which makes all, you know, you're, and then it's easy to get cold at mm-hmm. towards the end of the day. Right. And now you're soaked and you don't want to be out there and all these other things. And like mentally that kind of wants to pull you out, but it's noise, it's cover and it's movement, which as the tracker and as stalking goes, that's good, yes. right? Because it's more cover noise. And so when you get, when you get those days where there's snow all over the trees and it's going to warm up, you want to want to make sure you bring a couple extra changes of clothes in the car or the truck or whatever. But those days are great. And you can shoot deer on those days really well because the yep. snow is soft because mm-hmm. it's warm. Yep. It's nice and quiet. When they step and they leave a print, a lot of times it's a perfect print. You know, yes. everything, you it's nice and molded. You can see the shape. You, It's not because when you have fluffy snow, fluffy snow has a tendency to cave in on itself when it starts to get deep. 
Right. Right. And because when that sandy, nice powder snow that you like, has, it will slide into the track itself. And sometimes it's a little bit harder to see direction when it's real deep. It's hard to see the real shape and the real, you know, so you don't get as much clear info. But when it's that sticky, you know, super warm snow, you get to see everything. Yeah, that four inches of beautiful yep. stuff. And it's fairly quiet. The sticks are wet underneath it. Yep. And they and flex a little bit. There's a movement in the dripping off the trees. That's why you and I were allowed to get so close to the two-step bucks so many times was because we were tracking in that kind of weather. Yeah, that was really good stuff. It was two know. days in a row of that, and it, it worked out really well. But the problem is when it's really warm like that and sticky, and there's now there's no snow on the trees, the contrast, he doesn't stand out as good. Yeah. Especially when you're coming uphill and stuff, yep. when the deer's higher than you. Mm-hmm. He, his body is farther up in away from the ground, so he doesn't yeah. stand out from the snow layer that you're walking on anymore. Right. And it's like you have to be, you have to be careful. It's the top part of your viewing. That's right. Yeah. And that it's makes all, it a little tougher. Yep. yep. So that made that difficult. But the drippy nastiness, other than how you were feeling, like the, ugh, you know, that kind of like weird, like your, your shoulders are pinched up and you're kind of just trying to keep it all and you're soaked. And that is the only downside from that, I feel like. The, sure. The cleaning your scope and stuff always. But yeah. But the, that's great weather to track in. There was a tiny bit of the creep in your boot tr- 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 as you crushed yeah, the that, snow. Yeah, it would crush yeah, the that snow. Weird sound. Now, the second, because I'm cameraman, right, you would step, and then I would step in your track. Yes, so now and, it's so only, it's one, only crunching one crunching track. Yeah, and yep. that, that helped like crazy. We even do that on crusty snow. Like when mm-hmm. when I, any of us are doing a two-man on a track, step in your uh, your hunting partner's track. Right. Sit down, dog. <laughs> Dale banging on the table. The The big thing that you got to remember, too, is that um, a lot of times with elevation and that wet, rainy, drippy kind of situation that you have, yeah. and the snow's a little bit wet, at elevation, a lot of times there's a fog. Or the cloud cover in those kind of circumstances is usually pretty low, and you can have like a foggy situation either down in a swamp where there's like this mist in the air. And I, I absolutely detest hunting in the fog. For some reason, deer seem to see a lot better. Their vision, I don't know what it is about fog, but deer just seem to get me, and I miss them standing there. Maybe it's just me being bad at what I'm doing. I don't know. But I've had so many deer in the fog that were just standing there, and they stood there and stood there and stood there and let me come along and didn't move. And I'm looking right through them, yeah. right in front of me. And I'm like, that bucket's got to be right here. Especially and really I'm actually like, looking right Deer at that them. are more gray than they are brown hide in fog really well. And when they're wet, they're hide, they hide even better. Mm-hmm. You know, that like little bit darker of a grayish blends right in. If you yep. mix that with the whites, it just, it blends right in. Our deer are really, boy, super camouflaged for their woods that they're in. And boy, that really, I hate fog because <laughs> they just, I never seem to get it. Even deer. though you actually shot a 200 pounder in the fog. Right. And what'd you name that deer? Fog. Yeah. <laughs> I hate hunting in it. But that's that was just like a freak rare circumstance, yeah. and he didn't even know I was there, and we just like walked right up to each other in the bull yard, and that that coming together like that, I just heard chunk chunk chunk, and I stopped, and there was a moose out probably seventy yards to my right, 
and it got up and it walked off. All I could see was a rear end. It looked like a cow. I wasn't sure. So I just happened to see that and I'm standing there watching it walk away in the fog. And there's a big blowdown about 10 feet to my right. A, a big half a spruce tree just busted off and it's laying there. And out from that spruce tree, as I'm looking over the top of it to see the, the cow, out from that, I, I only had to shift my eyes down about two feet at 10 feet. And here comes some antlers walking right out of that blowdown. And it comes around the corner and it's here to the bathroom door from me. I don't know, 12, 14 feet. I mean, 18 feet away. A 200 pounder just walks right up to me and comes around this blowdown and then stops and stands there staring at me. And here I am, it's raining pretty good. I've got my Butler Creek scope caps down and I've got my gun just part way up. When I saw the antlers, I started to lift my gun, but he came right out so quick that I couldn't move anymore. And I've just got the gun kind of at an almost shouldered. It's the stock is in my armpit. I haven't gotten it on the front of my shoulder. It's just in my armpit. And I've yeah. got the gun pointed towards him. And he's just standing there. And the two of us are staring at each other at about 15, 20 feet. And I said to myself, well, just shoot. Just tip the gun down and put the barrel, point the gun at him and shoot him, right? So I bring it down a little bit and I pull the trigger and it goes about an inch over his back. Mm. Now, this is seven millimeter Magnum, you know, at about 20 feet. And that thing goes right over his back. And he just goes, he just barely twitched. And that's it. And he just, again, just stood there like a statue. And I just touched that gun off right in his face and missed him point blank. <laughs> and he, all he did was literally just barely twitch. Like flinch a little bit. Yeah, and then just stood there. And now I'm, I'm, I'm going, oh, right? <laughs> my, my face just, oh. And here I am standing there with an empty bolt action. And there is absolutely nothing I can do about it. There's no way. He's, he's only half, he's not even halfway around the blowdown. And he's just looking at me, and there's nothing. I can't run that ball. If he just pulls his head down and runs, turns around, he's out of sight. I mean, all he literally has to do is drop his head to run and turn a little bit, and he's completely gone, and there's nothing I can do about it because of the, the dip in the hillside. And there's no way you're going to be fast enough when he's looking dead at you. And the two of us are just standing there, and I can, I'm watching him, and I can see about three inches of smoke coming off the top of my barrel you know, from the powder smoke coming out of the top of my barrel. Yeah. And I'm just looking at him with that smoking barrel, and the two of us are just frozen in time. Oh, like, man. Time stopped. And he just stood there we, with eyes locked at 20 yards and me with an empty gun. And I had time enough to go. And then, boom, boom, and he takes off, right? Yeah. And of course I run the bolt and I run around the tree, but he's, yeah. you can only see about 30 yards in the fog Max, yeah. and, and, and it's a beautiful spot. I mean, if it wasn't for the fog, I could have just run around that tree and opened up on him, but he was gone and he just drifted away like fog and I'm bumming. <laughs> I'm just totally bumming. But there was snow. There was a little bit of snow, but it was just patches. 
and it's all melting and rotting like crazy. Right? I that that stresses me out a little bit. Yeah. And when you're on a track time. and it's all starting to go and you're like, Dad, we gotta go, but I can't go fast and yeah. Now that was the only snow in town. The rest of yeah. it it all melted. Everything was on the peak you, of the mountain. Yeah, Thir- you were, I was thirty five hundred. Yeah, I was feet gonna up. say you were all the way up. Right. So we're here we are at three thousand plus feet, you know, and, and he just does one of them dip run and he's gone oh. and he's out in the fog and there's nothing I can do. And I called and I called like crazy, but it didn't matter. Yep. So I, I hunted in his direction and never saw him. And another day went by and then I went back up. And that's when the video picked and up. That's when I filmed the doe and then I filmed that giant bull sleeping. And, and then, then kill them. <laughs> then I shot that same buck right in his bed about 250 yards from where I saw him and shot at him two days before that. Yeah. And then I filmed the white moose. So, you know, <laughs> Oh, and, and won an Oscar and, uh, <laughs> oh, found a million dollars. And yeah, what I, else did you do? That I should have bought a lottery ticket. It's the one yeah. thing I didn't do. Yeah. You, geez, that was a mistake. You know, but it just goes to show that, that, that I hate that fog and a fog is always an issue. Yeah. A it can be a, for, it can be a big disadvantage. So you, you end up, if, especially if you think you're close in the fog, go slow. Um, the other one was zigzag. He was eating on a, uh, green, moss on a log he was eating the green real lively green moss he was eating that on a log and he pulled up to that log and he nibbled 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 like crazy and then he was in the fog too but you could see about 50 yards now he's right on the edge of the fog and i'm looking at where he nibbled and now i'm looking with my eyes following the track as far as i can in his direction and as i'm standing there the wind does a little circle and he blows at me and I'm like, oh, he's right here. And I've got my gun and I'm looking at the, and I, of course with me, I only, ha- I can only hear out of one ear. So like triangulating and figuring out where a sound came from, I have to hear it two, three times to know the direction. Yeah. And of course I heard it once and I didn't know the direction. And, and I heard it a second time and then he took off running. Yeah. So you and had that's a when visual I, cue. Yeah. Now I had a visual cue and I knew where, where he was. I get the gun up and he just kind of the top part of his head jumps through my scope and I just see these giant forklift antlers and he just, boom, and then he's gone. And then he blows, 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 blows all the way down in the fog. And he's got to be 150 yards and he's still blowing at me. And then he's gone. And I chase him for quite a ways. I get two more looks at his antlers and I don't see body and there's nothing to shoot at. And he's gone. And then I go back the following year and I shoot him when he's a little older and that worked out anyway. But again, that fog situation, when you get close to them in the fog, slow up and be careful. It's so easy to miss them at the edge of your perception. You know, where with the farthest you can see, yeah. you want to be looking out there. It doesn't mean that they're not up close too. One of the things that's hard is when, when you are on snow and the snow conditions don't change, like the age of the track doesn't look any different when you get like really fluffy snow. Mm-hmm. When it's real cold, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's From day hard. to day, it's harder to figure out what's what's new and what's not. And when you're on the track, it's hard to tell when you're getting close sometimes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I have to keep in mind that the track, because of the kind of weather that we have and how the snow is, he might be right here, but the track might look a little older. Yep. You know? Yep. And you have to... One of the great things I like about kind of melty snow is older tracks, the centers start to go... Mm-hmm. And when you find a track on on uh, like good snowball snow, the center in between their t- their two uh, two toes, yep. you'll see the center of it still. 
there'll be that line that separates the individuals. And then, you know, this is a relatively freshish track, right? And now it's time to woe up and you get a cue from that melty, that melty snow that does help you quite a bit. Yeah. The, the, your 200 pounder there, you know, that looked really fresh. Yes. Now the other thing that sometimes we'll do is like, we get back to our hunting area the next day, you know, where we were the day before, say you found a, a good one and you start regularly checking, looking for him, seeing where he is, what's going on. Um, first thing in the morning, I will, even at camp, I'll walk outdoors and I'll look at yesterday's tracks and see how much they look or how different they yep. are from a brand new track yep, right that's now. That's a great little bit right there. Yeah. Cause I'll walk outdoors in the morning and I'll see if they're blown in. Right. If the wind blew during the night, it was cold, fluffy snow, but the wind picked up during the night. Yep. Now there's a little yeah, bit a little of drifting. Drift. Yeah. Yep. You can see the drifting in it. You know, noticing the difference between yesterday's tracks and today's tracks. Just yours. Yes. I want to see it. Um, the other thing is like, uh, say there's a big runway crossing a road and lots and lots of deer are using it or moose are using it. Say you're moose hunting and you know, same, same exact scenario. You have a, a big runway that, or even if it's down in the woods and you were there yesterday and say you went hunting in that area and you had to cross that runway on the way back to the rig at night. So you look at it, you look at your runway where you crossed it and you know, you'll be back in the morning. You know, say there's a signpost rub and you keep walking down to that signpost rub to see if a new buck has come through and rubbed on it. And yep. you're going to use that as a place to pick up a track Yep. or to check your camera or whatever. When I, when I'm leaving at the end of the day and there's a big runway and I want to know if anybody's used it walk during the all night, over it. I'll walk all over it. I'll sweep it with my foot, like a 10 foot section of it. I'll sweep it open so that there's nothing but my boot tracks in there. And when and they when go I, back through, it'll be, they'll be fresh and they'll be the only things on that sweep section. And I'll know how much activity happened that yep. night. And yep. I won't be looking at a, a real thick mix of old tracks and new tracks. Yep. And that can be a big, that is how that's, many times have a, we oh done that where we've picked up good tracks doing that. Before. Oh, sure. Because it's hard to discern, you know, if it's, if, especially if it's really old snow, like five days, you yep. need to do that. Yep. And if there's really nothing coming in the forecast, you got to do that. Now, see, that's what we did on, uh, Mr. Rogers. We went out on Sunday and did some filming in the woods. You know, there's no hunting in Maine on Sunday. So we went out and did a little scouting and we did some filming yep. and we, we filmed some drive. partridges and, and we uh, um, filmed ourselves and we did some drone flying and stuff too and just went out and filmed. There's not much to do. So we did that. Yeah. But while we were scouting, there was this one runway that crosses a little small dead end road and there were tons of deer using that runway. So when we drove out, I said, oh, look at that runway right there. So I walked out it and I took a look at it. And when I came back, I dragged my feet all over it and then hopped in the rig. And then Monday morning when we went back, it's covered with his track. Yeah. And, and we know see what kind of activity happened. That's right. Now, we, we swept it at what, two in the afternoon? Yeah, probably. So it was what? Well, yeah, it was a couple hours before dark. So it right. must have been like two, two thirty. So there's, you know, at least twelve hours worth of traffic from dark till the morning. But there was also the afternoon traffic that sh could have come through too. Yep. The other thing too is like we'll, we'll, we'll make a little track somewhere and and check and see like is anybody driven out the road or not we're, we're tracking people as much as we track deer yep we're tracking the 
the amount of truck truck traffic and and where everybody's going and looking and and whatnot and by paying attention even to truck tracks and which way they turn and whether or not a lot of times we'll say yeah there's two rigs out this road every day yeah and you do it every single day Mm -hmm. and if the conditions are just right you can tell well there's a couple people hunting on this road let's go try that road over there the other thing we love to do is when somebody shoots a deer go into that and go up the drag mark Oh yeah, a lot how of many, times. There's how many a buck times have people messaged us? They yes. shot deer on our drags. Oh yeah, that when we when Jimmy shot the decoy, that was 2015. Boy, I think or even it was either 15 or 13. Yep. And we, no, it was 13 because I shot mushbuck that okay. same year. Yep. Yep. And we, we there was had, a doe in heat with yep, two bucks with two bucks, and we had her. dragged Jimmy's deer out. You know, after after we had gotten it and a couple guys that live in that area had walked up our drag mark and they're like, oh, let's go. Right. That's where we're headed. So we'll see where you shot it. And a deer was coming down our deer's drag mark. Right. Because they just smell. They don't know that that was what a dead deer or whatever. Right. But they smell the the blood and they smell the the tarsal and they smell like it's just a lot of business. Right. And, And during the rut, that deer is curious. So he walks over and he goes right down the track and those guys have walked up and pow. And it was an eight pointer. Right. So right. another eight pointer comes running down yeah. Jimmy's. Jimmy's was a six or an eight. I think it was a six. It was, it was either a five or a six. Am I, yeah. I think right. it was a five. Five. Okay. And, and we drag it out and this buck comes down. Now remember there was a doe and he and two bucks chasing it, but there was yep. a third buck in the woods. Yep. Now the big one, when Jimmy shot, took <laughs> off and left, right? Jimmy, Jimmy sees the, his buck shoots it. And as soon as that deer goes down, he's like, yeah, I got it. He looks and there's a big buck stand there. And then the thing runs this big rack and he's like i shot this small one right right that's that's why we named that the decoy buck that's on youtube that's a funny video right now the the big one uh, runs north and and beaver takes off after that one and meanwhile we help jimmy out and we get that his deer down to the rig and as we were getting his deer down to the rig and we know more than get it there and beaver's still chasing chasing the big one and it's turned around and it's coming back in our direction a little bit and he's trying to get that deer and uh, we go down and, and the, we happen to be close to the reporting station. We report the deer and then we drive back up. And as we get up in there, there comes two guys and they're dragging another deer out right on top of our drag mark. Yep. So we start talking to them and they're like, yeah, well, we just started walking up and this buck comes right down your drag mark. That is real common. Yes, it's very common. It, ha- it happens That's a fair great. amount. That's great. If, if you're an old guy Teamwork. and somebody just dragged out a deer someplace. Go sit and over you want to walk somewhere, walk up that track. And go sit over the gut pile, too. That Coyotes and all kinds of animals and scent and things. Like, it's all of a sudden the woods are going to come alive right there. There's something happening, Because right? things, yeah. it's just like whenever you, you do a lot of cutting in the woods and you lay down some trees, the chaos and all the mess and things happening, Attract. all the birds and everything flies over there to check it out. Sure. Deer did the same thing. Oh, yeah. You fire up a fell buncher and you, you start cutting trees and the moose are going to be there that evening. Yep. They're coming right down to it. What's going on, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody comes into your living room and starts wrecking it and then turns around and leaves for a while, what are you going to do? You're going to run down there and check it out, Yeah, right? So that's kind of what all the animals do too, and it that's that's can sometimes be a helpful thing. Yep. But. And, and when you do that and you have snow, you know what's happening. 
that was like a perfect killer day because that was yep. five inches of fluff and really cold, cold and, and bitter and windy. Yep. yep. And of course the wind and, and he was in a bunch of small beaches oh, that, and the that leaves. rattly paper sound. Yeah. It just makes you smack cold. Smack you in the face. Just thinking those, it just makes you, you get, whew. yeah, chilly. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's like 70 in the shop and we're both like, whoa. <laughs> the other thing is when it's cold and um, really windy, the deer will be active, especially you. To you stay mix, warm. Yeah. You mix rut activity plus really cold and windy and the deer will be on their feet yep they'll spend less time laying down and more time on their feet and when they're on their feet and you're on your feet you're, you're going to run into them you're just going to bump into some anyway yep. and especially if you're on top of any amount of deer sign if you're yep. on a runway you know you pick the thickest nicest runway in the snow yep. in one patch of woods and you walk on that you're going to meet every hunter you're going to meet every deer every moose every coyote every everything is going to be in that area so at least even if you're not actually tracking but you're just looking for a place to still hunt still hunt on top of the most deer sign you can find yep i remember there's been a lot of times where we go from you know we'll have these isolated patches of thick spruces and nice cover surrounded by an ocean of your your standard hardwood big nothing undercover right and you if you're going basically from checkpoint to checkpoint through these like these little you know, good green patches and you walk through the big hardwoods and there's nothing on the hardwoods. The next day, everything will have walked up your tracks, especially when the snow is deep. Everything is looking like you're going through the woods in deep snow and you, and there's a snowmobile trail where you're going to get out and walk. Yeah, and the snowmobile It's trail. easier to walk on tracks and in less snow than to go out there and plow right. through your it yourself. Own trail, right? So deer, moose, everything are going to walk up your tracks from yesterday going back and checking your trail where you came out of the woods sometimes is also a really good idea yep. because you might funnel them right down to the to your parking spot no another thing about getting a, a decent amount of snow especially once you're a little bit tuned up is that if you can't find any tracks say it's real fresh and nothing has had a chance to move too much but you do know some deer like pockets that are pretty good we'll just do a cross section right through a pocket Yep. We'll drop one of the fellas off and they'll just go straight across it and just see if there's anything in there. Any, see what tracks are around. Yeah. And if there's any, any, you know, sign of any deer being down in there, just do a cross section. You know, we'll cut from road to road or across a big swamp or up over a mountain and down the other side. Right now, when the snow depth is really a lot, it taxes you. Mm, tires are out and especially if you have to climb if you climb and it's steep and there's a lot of snow you you don't each step is so short that you get tired in a short while so like if the snow is really deep and you're going to be hunting in deep snow you want to make sure that you're concentrated in the best possible area and you're not wandering around in lots of deep snow for a long time without any chance of seeing deer Mm -hmm. no you want sign you want runways you want something so that you know that you're if there's nothing on the ground it's time to find another patch of woods right and you don't want to waste a lot of time in empty woods yep tire yourself out for nothing when the walking is good it's not a big deal to blow through a giant hardwood patch and get over to the other side and get back into the slash and the boulders and the rocks and the garbage you know where a deer might actually be for that day it's not a big deal to blow across big sections. We'll do it all the time. We'll just go from, you know, yep. two or three hamlets, line them all up and just go cross country. Yep. And we're not looking for, we're not looking, actually looking for a deer standing there. We're just going. So yep. you just plow and you just go. Now the, the, the snow conditions that are good for that, of course, are those cold, fluffy ones. 
because you're hiking and when it's cold, I like that because yeah. I don't get hot. Yep. I don't steam up. And if you don't sweat a lot, then when you do have to slow down, you're not damp and get cold quickly, mm -hmm. you know? So regulating your body temperature in them colder conditions is a lot easier, I think. Cause yeah. you can just move. You just to unzip stay your warm. coat a little bit more and yeah, let some you, air in it and you can, yep. you can like thermostat your body. Take better. a break. If you're getting hot, yep. you know, if you're climbing, don't get sweated. Hot, don't, don't get sweat. sweated on cold days like that. That's right. The other thing that can tire you out is crusty snow. Crusty snow tires you out bad. It's like Especially two when, impacts. You know, yeah. it's like you step, it breaks through and then you have to like lift your other foot up and you step and break through. And if you do that all day long, your legs are shot. But, you know, and, and everybody hates crusty snow. And out of all the snows, crusty snow is my least favorite. Most of the time, because of what made it, right, when it goes from storm to sunny and warm, and then it's starting to cool back down and there might be a storm coming again, or it gets cold at night, yep. it creates this snow. And most of the time, it's paired with one more bluebird day after that. Yep. So you get these this day of where it's super loud, dead quiet, when it's like a high-pressure system. Yep. And, you know, you're making tons of noise. There's no cover, really, and the woods are dead silent. And a lot of times it does come later into the season mm -hmm. when all your, right, and now everything's wound up and it, like, creates this perfect storm of it being difficult to get a deer. But there are some advantages of crusty snow. Absolutely. If you're not moving, you hear them moving. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. Still hunting on crusty snow works really good sometimes tracking is difficult but we've shot deer on crusty snow all the time sure it's easier for you to play the buck game because your uh your grunts go a lot farther right mm -hmm. and and you can just walk 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 uh and then you stop and listen for a really long time and you can pair it with walking yep you yep. can so use actually together. use your and try to like because deer have like a have a crunch 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 right and you can you can kind of do the same thing but people do this big <laughs> so what we'll do on crusty days is we'll take shorter steps punk, 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 and do this and like crunch 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 like short quick little steps and then stop and uh, and you just stand there and listen for a really long time and then go back to it right and just you know try to sound just like a deer and because if you're going to make noise you know what I mean? On those days, you're going to make noise. There's nothing you're going to do to quiet They're it down. They're going to hear you. So you might as well at least try to convince them that you're a deer. Use that sound and that crust and the quiet conditions to your advantage. And we did a video on that last year when we had what? It was like two and a half weeks of that weather. That's oh, it. It was terrible. It was like, yep. it was so discouraging. We were all ready to hang up our rifles by, and our we like, muzzle loader. You're like, I don't, I'm not even sure if I wanted to go, right? Yeah. Because it was like that. But of course, Cocoa Puff, our motivator. Our motivational hunter kept us going, but no. Make sure when you're doing that, you're wearing orange. I mean, oh yes. You do that to a hunter, and he's gonna think you're a deer. He's oh yeah. Up, and you want to be safe, you know that way. Yeah, you definitely do, and it's it's just like turkey hunting. It moves, you know. You're you're acting you and sounding just like the game, so you have to be careful. But that is a great way, and we have shot many deer on cross doing that. And a whole bunch of our oh uh, yeah subscribers and stuff have come back and said hey i, it I did really what well. you said and man did that work I, yep. even in some snort wheezes have brought yep. deer right back to people and and they've they're like oh my god yeah does that the work? calling to a deer that hasn't ever experienced calling not being a deer why would he have any other reason to think otherwise right so that works really well calling calling works pretty good but to smaller deer a lot of times especially later middle of rut 
calling to smaller deer doesn't necessarily work that good. I find it best to find the biggest, most badass track you can, and then you call him up. And you, you know, you want to basically go to the yard and take on the biggest guy who thinks he's the boss. Every now and then, though, you meet a small bully. Yeah, you do. Oh, I had this little five pointer, yep. and wow, did he he gave me a show, and yep. that was back before I had a cameraman. But that was he, what that was in, that was Ontario, wasn't it? No, New Hampshire. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah right yeah. on the New Hampshire yeah, yep, border. Yep, yep. Yeah, I remember, right by Garfield Falls there. Yeah, and, and that was a while ago. Oh yeah, and and that little bugger just he he was like giving me the bull work. <laughs> you know, he put his head down and he'd scratch the ground with his front leg and every hair standing attitude. up on him. We like, like deer with attitude. It's like, let's go, you know, but there was a huge one there and I didn't want to shoot him because the other one might come running in. He was snort wheezing me and everything else. Yep. And I mean, he's dangerous. That little bugger was dangerous. Rattling. He really, if he attacked me, I'd probably be dead meat. I, and I don't think shooting him would stop him either. That you know, they get have that to look, make a really when good they get shot. that look in their eye. Oh my God! So you want to be careful. It's like calling in a great big bull. You know, they can do a, even a cow can do a job. Rattling on, so. on those days would probably work pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Rattling because it carries would good. Yeah, it would yep. work darn good. Your tipper cans, especially if you were patient. Yep. You know, that's one of the things on crust though is you got to be real because they're not just yeah. going to come plowing right up Mm-mm. to you. They may circle you some. Check your downwind is, all yeah, the time. They'll, they'll hook you, try and hook you and get a smell of you, and that's a lot more common. Or they'll just stand there forever and ever and ever. Some of them are wicked patient. The bigger ones are real patient. And especially with crust. That yep. makes them doubly patient. They're not yep. in a big hurry to go smashing crust and come running up to you. Yep. But that yep. doesn't mean they won't. That doesn't mean that's right. And there's been a few times where they have. But. But you, and you have to give it a go and you know try some of these things. Go out there and find, find a pattern and find – find how your snow normally is and and see what's going to work really good for you yeah now one of the things when you're looking at weather forecasts and we're talking snow again right is like temperatures are everything and they're the weather forecast when it comes to temperature is way more reliable than snow depth uh duration of the wind uh it's way more reliable than um some of their like long range forecasts, the temperatures are usually really close. Yeah. So when they say, well, it's going to be, you know, 32 for a high and, yeah. and better on temperature than they, night, are, than they, you know, are they accumulation, they'll be really close. Yep. Now those temperatures are key to how long your snow lasts or how, how it goes about breaking down. What kind of snow you get. Right. So like I, I'm watching those temperature forecasts way ahead and the high for the day and the low for the day and then the high for like a high elevation mm-hmm. and the low for a high elevation are way different so elevation is very specific when it comes to temperature yes so if you know you're going to be hunting up the mountains the temperature is going to be 10 15 degrees different yep. you know than what they're predicting down low and then wind is another thing and um i i always want to know what are the temperatures for the week and when, yep. they, the when trend. they say those things, you know, what's the trend, the highs and the lows, then I know how the snow is going to either stay or not. And there'll be some places where the snow won't be affected because of elevation, because yep. of the temperature. Yes. So I know it, it's a little crusty down low, but up high, it stayed cold enough that it didn't melt. It'll be quiet. And now walking. there's a quiet walking up high. And I know that without even going up, I know it's better conditions higher. Exactly. So if we got a buck in the bottom and we shove him uphill, I got a better chance on on top of the mountain i'll try and get him in the crust down below but if he runs uphill that's great 
right? Because I know it, and I haven't even been up high yet, and I know yep. it's already better if he climbs. Yep. And if he's on the top and the conditions are terrible, and I shove him down in the bottom where the conditions are better, right? So those things help. Yep, for sure. One the other the, thing I like to do is make sure that you're you're definitely checking more than one. Yeah, that's outlet. E- that is exactly what I was gonna say. You know, because th- if there's any like variance in what the two of them say, yeah. So we'll like say, well, what do they say the temperature is going to be, and then mm-hmm. what's this guy say the temperature is going to be, and then, and of course you might even have to be specific to your location. They they tell us, um, you know, we can we can type in Rangeley or Stratton area or whatever, yep. Jackman, and, and, whatever, and we can be six miles away in a camp, and it's six degrees cooler on average than mm-hmm. what they say. So I pay attention to what they say it's going to be, and then what it actually is, and that can give you the, and that'll give us a better a idea. Pattern. Yeah, and then yep. of course over time, as you learn to hunt, like say it's a new spot, and you learn to hunt it, and you see what how actual it is and how actual it isn't, mm. how close you know, they are, especially they if you have cells service and you're up on yep. top of the mountain with your cell phone and you've got service you can see what the temperature is oh yeah for so sure. you know that that is really a a, a good thing and that's and pretty rare helps. for us to <laughs> yeah to have cell service yeah it's not as yeah. not as bad as it used to be but yeah you know there was a day when you couldn't make any calls but now now at least you can a lot one of the other things i like to do is i don't just check where i am going to hunt tomorrow for weather wise you look at the whole, the map as a whole, and you look at the entire area that you could drive to. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, what kind of conditions is everybody else having? Because, you know, if I have a spot that I like to hunt, but the weather's going to suck, you may as well go someplace else, even if it's someplace new that's having prime weather. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the conditions, the conditions matter a lot for tracking. It's a you major, can easily major drive advantage. 10 miles and have it, huntable complete, snow and no one else knew about it. Oh, yeah. My first main buck. Do you remember that day? Yep. Yeah, we. Kind deer. That's right. We drive up. We were uh, twenty five miles from camp. All of that. It was probably it was a twenty minute drive. Yeah, and we were up there. You know, it's we didn't have much for weather. We did have snow, and back at camp there was no snow. And the area that we like to hunt in didn't have snow either. And this is a bit farther north and a whisker higher in elevation. Yep. And you know, the, you know, the windmill buck jumps out and we pow, 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 and everything's great. Yeah. And we start dragging him down to the Jeep and the skies open up and all of a sudden we get a load of snow and it's sharp, icy snow and the wind is horrendous and just blown and crazy. We drive the road down Twenty we get, minutes. We get back down onto Blacktop. Twenty minutes down towards the uh, the reporting station. It is bluebird sunny, and it's like sixty something degrees. We t-shirt, were in t-shirts, and that's that's all in the video. And Jimmy's like, "We found a new weather belt, right?" Yeah. And, and it was it was amazing the difference in a little bit of distance. So just if the area that you like to hunt in, in like your spot, isn't having that good weather. Go try someplace else because it might be worth the drive. Because like us, we weren't having any luck there. And we're like, we need to get out of here. We need a new weather weather pattern. We need right. a new area. So we just went, got out, went a little bit no, more northeast, and then bang, we found snow, found a buck track, and got it done. You know, like in our area here, most of the wind either comes from the northwest, the west, or the southwest. 
and it's headed in the easterly direction. Unless it's a nasty storm like a nor'easter or something, we don't ever get in the opposite direction. No, you're almost absolutely always right. it goes west to east. Always. So with the weather moving that way across a north-south mountain range, where's all of the snow actually going to land? The, the eastern side. On the eastern side. Where the clouds right? get driven up from the mountains and, and then it dumps and of on the east side. there's one side of the mountain that holds its snow the longest. The side that the sun doesn't pound. That's right. Because that's exactly what Either happened to us in Colorado. Either in or in north. Or that's why Keith got that cold. elk. Because we were on the western side of the Rockies, and they had no snow, and it was hot, and it sucked. And we went more eastern in the range, and all of a sudden we found snow, found elk, pow, got it done. And we were in the mountain's shadow. That's right. Right. And being in the mountain's really well. shadow will help the snow stay longer. Yep. So sometimes being on the northeast and east side of things... You know, it be an advantage because it does get morning sun, but it's not hot sun. The hotter sun is from noon on. Yep. The other thing is the eastern and the northern sides of the mountain will have less brush because they're in the taller. It'll be taller, taller too. trees. That's yep. right. Because the sunlight. Yes. The amount of sunlight that hits a spot has yep. a huge effect on what grows there and how it grows. That's right. So the woods can be um, a lot of times more tall and less brushy. A uh, little easier to see. Yep. There's less feed in general for most of the animals. Yep. So you know, keep those things in mind. They matter. They do. And they and can at least help you find some snow so that way you actually can start tracking. The whole point of like this this whole podcast is to, to help you start coming up with patterns. You know, when you're yep. bass fishing, you say, well, what's the pattern for today? Where are the fish hanging what out? Color what are the color like? they like? Yep. How active are they? How what are they, are they eating? What's going on, right? Yep. And, and when you catch one and you start figuring out why he was where he was. Yep. What's the speed? Right. Everything. Why are these moose all piled up on this part of the mountain, right? So you start asking these questions and now you start creating patterns in your head and pretty quick you're able to do that right straight through. So as you start developing these patterns and you start noticing why things are the way they are and why and how the animals are using the landscape and you develop these patterns, now, like in the, in the first couple, three days, you start figuring out exactly how things work and you'll be able to just like go to a brand new mountain range and look it over and say, well, this is the pattern over there. Let's see if it works here. Yep. And, and just start putting X's on the mountain before you even walk up yep. there. You're just looking at it from the road and you say, well, there's a little bench right there and there's this and there's that. Yep. And I'm going to go for that. And then as you make your loop up over the mountain and out around and you come back, you'll, you'll start figuring yep. that stuff out. And now you'll apply those patterns to like to what you're doing all the time. That's right. And you'll be able to take advantage of the situation regardless of what the weather and the conditions are doing because you can get a deer in any conditions right it will it can happen yep. as long as you know the best kind of uh, action the best course of action and methods that you should take up for what is happening in your area you have you know uh, weather limitations season limitations time limitations say it's the end yep. of the day right yep um, you have walking limitations how far you can go in a day or um, how much time you have to hunt, right? So when you're, you're using all these patterns to help maximize what you can personally do, 
Yep. You're improving your odds the best you can. That's right. Now, what, what will be a great pattern for one person won't be a great pattern for the next guy. So like by taking advantage of even what the other guys can do, I know there'll be a ton of guys coming in from this piece of woods over here. And if I get in this little bottleneck next to the beaver dam and I can sit for a while, here come those deer and they'll go right by me and I'll be able to get one. And a lot of times you're maximizing what you can do yep. with the patterns that you have and, yep. and make it work for you. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be, if, if you can walk a quarter mile, you can, get you can a track buck. a deer and shoot it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, the difference is knowing what you're looking at and being able to read it and then make it work for you. The one thing that we will do is if there's a great big buck and we want this one really bad, or there's an area we really know is hot, we will wait until the conditions are our favorite until they get just right. Then we'll go in there. Because I would rather go in to get that big buck that I want on a nice, windy, nasty, quiet walking day than to go in on a crunchy, super bluebird quiet day. Right. And blow like, it and educate him. And that's right. Else, and I, right? I want to be able to, the first time we meet, I want to be the last time. I don't want to jump a buck a thousand times. I don't want to educate him day after day. I want to get in there and get him before he knows what's going on. Right. The element of surprise is one of the best things that come with tracking it's the first time you meet you pull right up on them you there's no waiting and if the conditions are great it just adds to your ability to make that happen it doesn't mean however that you can't blow it and go right back the next day <laughs> and do it beautiful no you might blow it four no, that's times absolutely in a row. you right. might blow it 12 times in a row you might blow it five years in a row and then four days in a row and on the fifth day of the sixth year right there he is he's finally dead right that's right right so sometimes it's supposed to work that way but that's right you do what you can with what you got and it's all cool yeah there's nothing wrong with any of it go hunt in all conditions and don't let any one particular condition discourage you from going out there and attempting anyway that's right because it's super important to go and do it because some days like tie rod there's no snow it's 60 degrees you get out of the truck you walk 200 yards and there he is right and that's where he was that's anyway. where he was right that's where and, he and liked you to be. would not have gotten him if you were like well there's no snow i don't really want to go out and track we'll just meh right you don't get them on the couch so no matter what right. the weather is like go out there and make an attempt and look for the patterns and then trial and error Right. That's how you do it. The other thing that's beauty about the snow is it teaches you his tricks. It teaches you his routines. Every buck is different. Every yep. person who hunts them is different. It's all laid out there and, for you. Yeah, and, and if you pick up on it and you learn some of the things, and sometimes it's easy to get super assuming, oh, this is exactly what he does, and he does this every time. Mm -hmm. Well, he may all of a sudden like have four other tricks that he's got ready to go, and when you actually put that to the test, you find out he can do other he's things. He's got some surprises It's so for you. easy to like start drawing too many conclusions yes it and is. that you can go overboard there yep and and don't don't get too crazy about it but stay positive and just let it rip and yep. learn all and be open about everything yeah because things change they always yep. do being being flexible in your thoughts and being flexible in what you do is really good and being take the time to predict what you think is going to happen but do it with an open mind ish I got a feeling this is what, you know, use your feelings and say, I got a feeling this is what he's going to do. And yep. I start tracking him for a ways. He's going to go here, here, and here. And then when he actually does it, or he pulls a stunt that I should have thought of, right? It gets my brain working a little bit more so that the next time we come up through there again, now he, he might 
might very well pull mm. that same stunt and I'll be a little quicker on it, you yep. know, and I won't have to worry how, about how they feel loop. is also evident in what they're doing, which is recorded by the snow. Because oh, yeah. if he's standing there and there's a lot, say there's 30 of his tracks All when he was spot. standing there pacing, that means that he's waiting and looking. Yeah. He's he nervous. Some time there. He's there for a very long time. Yeah. Right. Or he walked up and stopped and went over here and stopped and went over here and stopped. He's getting ready. He's going to lay down. He's yeah. looking for something, right? Or you're going to take off running. That's right. And you will learn when you, after you do any amount of tracking, you're going to learn what the signs are in the snow that's going to help you get that big buck and it's going to help you become a good tracker. Well, and also you'll learn which ones you can't. That's right. When you nope. see that and you go, nope, no, nope. we're not doing this today. Right. He's taking two and a half foot steps going in a beeline. See ya. And you no, just say, nope, I don't want that one. Dave Coker's in the shop here, right? And he, he's talking about hunting with Larry. and Dude, Dave. And Larry Dave's Benoit. such a good guy. And, and he says, you know, Larry gets out and looks at about 15 different buck tracks in Ontario. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. And one of them was a, just a giant. And he said, nope. And then all of a sudden they come around this little corner and here's this nice little buck goes across the road and Larry says, that one. And he grabs his gun and walks out and the cameraman starts following him and they don't go out five, 600 yards. And here comes the buck across a little bit of a clear cut. He was just poking and looking and Larry could tell that deer was close by. Yep, based and on his he attitude. Knew his, he's 80 something years old, right? But he knows what he's looking at and he says, this is one I can catch because of his experience. Mm-hmm. If you gain that experience, especially as you continue to grow older and you're It'll hunting, let you know if it's worth it or not. It, you'll be able to say, yes, this is a deer I can get and no, that's one I'm never going to catch. We, we got to do something else, right? Yep. So th- it helps you figure things out and he was able to shoot that deer on camera at 80 something years old because he he could pick out which one would work and which one didn't that experience can help you like crazy yep 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 it's a lot of fun yeah hopefully you guys have gotten uh, some good info out of this podcast this is all stuff that we use stuff that we learn the hard way and uh, it works really well and regardless of what's happening in your neck of the woods as long as there's a deer there you have a good chance of going to get them you just have to pay attention and take your time and learn to read the woods to read his attitude and to you know put the patterns of weather and the patterns of behavior together and you're going to become a great tracker in no time at all you'll learn every day yeah right and when you're open to it and you don't like force yourself to get it all today. That's right. Right. Patience. And, and you, 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 have patience. The, you have the patience to teach yourself because you teach you. Yep. Then you'll be able to get it all and figure out what works for you and start making a pattern that works. And it'll just, it'll just start coming to you. If you guys have any uh, topics or questions or comments, things you'd like to add to the podcast or the stuff you want us to talk about or things that uh, you think would be interesting, you can send all of those over to our uh, podcast email, askmountaindeer at gmail. So A-S-K-M-T-N d-e-e-r at gmail.com and uh connect with us on social media we're looking forward to a really good deer season you know september we're moving in on it everybody's getting ready prepping for bow season and everyone's getting pretty wound up we're looking forward the leaves are changing things are happening and uh, we're very excited lots of videos lots of podcasts and hopefully lots of deer coming we can't wait to see what you guys do reach out let us know how your season went and we will see you and we'll talk to you in the next version Have a great day and a great beer season. Take care. Bye-bye.